0: Throughout the month of April, the United States has continued to witness ongoing violence, oppression, and marginalization targeting communities of color. From the state of Georgia passing voter suppression laws to restrict access and ability for communities of color in future elections, to the police-related murder of Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, to Army 2nd Lieutenant Kara Nazario being pepper-sprayed by police in Virginia, to the released body cam video of the police-related murder of Adam Toledo in Chicago, and More recently, hours after the results of the trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, Makia Bryant was killed by a police officer in Columbus, Ohio, and among other similar injustices. Citizens and allies alike across the country have been urgently calling for effective reconstructive change, including actively supporting all people of color as an active ally and bystander. Today, I will be talking with Student Athlete Advisory Committee Vice President Alicia White on what qualifies as understanding and being an active ally and bystander, how the WAC community should continue to demonstrate their support both on and off campus, and how to ultimately achieve understanding of diversity, equality, and inclusivity at the college and beyond. I am your host, Olivia Montez, and this is Washington College Weekly. My guest this week is Junior and Student-Athlete Advisory Committee Vice President, Alicia White. Alicia, thank you so much for being here.
1: No problem, I'm glad to be here.
0: So my first question is, how are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing pretty well. The semester's about to end soon, so trying to get through that. But other than that, I'm happy to be here on campus.
0: <laughs> so how would you describe your position and your roles within the Student-Athlete Advisory Committee on the Washington College campus?
1: So, within the student athlete advisory committee i am the chair of the racial justice committee and within that committee i facilitate conversations and help bridge gaps between athletics and the student body and i have members of bsu sga and then other student athletes within the committee to all discuss what we need to do as a community to really build understanding about racial justice and diversity and inclusion so my role there is just helping Bring those thoughts together into events and activities for people to enjoy.
0: So, first, how would you define understanding in discussion with diversity and inclusion?
1: When discussing the definition of understanding for me, I think about is the person able to answer why? When it comes to it, I think about school. If you're doing a math problem and you just know how to do it, just the steps, where things go, but then someone asks you why that answer is there and you can't explain it, then you don't really understand it. So, tying that into diversity and inclusion is people know what they're supposed to say, people know what they're supposed to do, but do they really understand why they're doing it? And do they know the meaning behind it? Or is it just an action that they're supposed to follow? And I think that's what it comes to when really defining an understanding of something.
0: What about active allyship and bystander intervention?
1: Active allyship is someone who one understands and is willing to respond. So I feel like they've taken the time to educate themselves and learn, and they understand what they're doing, but also have the courage and the confidence to step up when they need to. And then they also will do that for, I feel like it's more of a connection to someone. So maybe like a friend of mine would be an ally. For bystander intervention, I feel like it's an inclusion of being able to respond and understanding, but someone that you may not necessarily know that they're just there. If you see someone getting bullied, you would hope that someone would step up and help you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that you know, someone that you have a connection with, but someone that understands that that should not be happening. In the same case of diversity and inclusion, if you see someone or they say a microaggression, they will step up and say that is not okay. That is a microaggression or a microinsult and different forms of it. Expressing that was not all right.
0: In the aftermath of all the events that have just happened as of this recording, such as the ongoing trial of Derek Chauvin, the state of Georgia passing voter suppression laws, the police related murder of Dante Wright, and the pepper spraying of Second Lieutenant Karen Nazario, and other injustices that have happened, what is going through your mind when you see this?
1: It's heartbreaking. It really just breaks my heart because if you think about it, just especially police-related, they're the people that are supposed to be invoking justice, protecting, and they're doing the complete opposite of that. So it's heartbreaking to think that I'm here and I don't really know who I can trust because you never know what they're going to do, how they view you. And so it's discomforting and it's heartbreaking to think that their stance may not be what you thought it was supposed to be.
0: And when you witness those individuals and corporations who are speaking out against these injustices, demonstrating their stance on these issues, what is your reaction? What do you feel that these reactions or positions on these events demonstrate in the public sphere?
1: People are getting fired up. That's what I see it as. People are not sitting by and like watching everything happen or just passively participating in things. They are fired up, they're making their stance known and clear. And I think that's what you're supposed to do, showing like, I am not a part of this. I highly disagree with what's going on. I don't want this to be passed. And I think that now people are starting to see that they can no longer be silent. They need to start speaking up because silence gives room for interpretations and different things to be said. So if you make it clear where you stand, then you know who you can trust and those around you that actually understand
0: what's going on. On a smaller scale, when talking about the Washington College initiatives focusing on diversity and inclusivity, which include but are not limited to the Chesapeake Heartland Project, acknowledging the college's history of enslavement, celebrating Black and Latinx Heritage Month, and now a renovated intercultural center on campus in response to what is and has been going on, essentially what is being called out by the WAC campus community, Do you feel that this demonstrates active allyship or understanding of the issues faced?
1: I think it's working up to it. I believe that they are starting to understand because as much as we've been doing this for the past year, that's not much time to say that you fully understand something because they're still learning different things. Things happen every day where you are like, okay, now I understand it. Now I see what's going on. For example, we just recently had a talk about microaggressions and implicit bias within the athletic department. So it's going to be a little bit before I Washington college as a whole can be defined as someone that's an ally, but there's certain parts like people that know more and are starting to speak up that you can see, like, for example, I can see my coach as an ally, but that doesn't necessarily mean I can see the whole athletic department yet. And I think that they're taking the steps necessary to be able to see the school as I have an ally in everyone around me. And that's understandable. Not everybody is going to get it right away and right off the bat. So I think that the fact that they're taking the time to educate themselves, helping the student body educate themselves, and taking initiative to do it is what is most important. And they'll get to the point where they understand completely the issues being faced and um, being able to be that person that everyone can trust.
0: On earlier episodes of the podcast, which include talking about race, talking about diversity and inclusion, and discussing the protest, one element that in some form or another has continued to be emphasized was to not only continue to expand your understanding of racism and discrimination in this country, but to always make sure to do something if and when you witness a xenophobic incident. What do you believe qualifies as doing something? And how can WAC students, staff, and faculty, like, go about accomplishing this or incorporating it into their daily lives?
1: For me, doing something can be on different levels. I feel like right when you get out of it and you're like, okay, I need to do something, that could mean reposting something that you wouldn't normally do because you're now understanding it. But then there's different levels. So once you get to the point where, okay, I'm showing my social media presence, that this is where I stand now when I see someone getting a microaggression or seeing some xenophobic incident. I feel comfortable enough to say something because I understand and I can tell them, hey, that's not okay. That was a micro insult, and you should really educate yourself on why that's not okay. Then further on, you can look at it as someone that can both educate people too. So going from I'm learning to now I can educate people myself. And I think that would be considered doing something. And you said, how can Washington College students and staff go about accomplishing it? I think continue to have discussions. Our campus has been doing a really good job with having events and geared towards understanding diversity and inclusion, microaggressions, racism. And so I think that is what is helping accomplish understanding and incorporating it into everyday lives. I know that I recently spoke to a few students who are trying to have monthly events where they have discussions about this or they have a town hall about discrimination incidents within campus. So I think that's important, having something that's continuous and not one time that you learn freshman year. Because then it's kind of more as a passive activity rather than active understanding and learning.
0: What other aspects should WAC students, staff, and faculty keep in mind or have on hand if and when they witness xenophobia unfold?
1: I think when you get into it or when you're witnessing it, don't automatically assume some things that, oh, someone else is going to reach out and, like, help see if they're okay. Because if everybody's like, oh, that person's going to do something, then no one's actually going to do anything. So being that person to step up and say, I'm going to do it even if someone else probably already has. Also, when going into it, go with the mindset of first educating before attacking. If someone is saying something and you're like, oh, that was really rude or aggressive, then maybe they didn't realize what's coming out of their mouth. And they're just like, oh, I didn't realize that. And they can reflect on it. But if it's a continuous thing with one specific person, then I think it gets to a point where more needs to be done. But I think allowing time for someone to get educated will help them realize different things because not everybody is educated. You can't say, I know something without if you've never learned it. So I think everybody deserves a chance to get educated and learn different things. So it's a level of understanding on both parts. And knowing when to intervene, you can ask the person, hey, are you okay? Did something go wrong? And if their response, follow off of that response is what you can dictate how much needs to be said or how much needs to be done. And also being an ally is checking up on them. You can also do care reports or bring it to an administrator that you see as an ally. And maybe they can help you in ways that you probably couldn't help them.
0: With all this in mind, what do you ultimately hope and want the WAC campus community to understand when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and active support?
1: I want them to know that it's going to take time and it's not just a one-time thing. That's what I'm really hoping that is a continuous learning experience, that just because everything in our society is going on right now, I know it's a big conversation. I don't want the conversation to die just because things on social media are dying down. It's not something that should be a trend. It should be continuous. And I think that the school is starting to understand that and do things because it's a lot more work than they realize and it's a lot deeper than they realized before. So I really hope that it's not just a small check off the checklist and that it's on the planner weekly, monthly, every day, something that you can always learn more about, educate yourself with. With being active support, I think, in general, as a campus, we are a smaller school, so I think it's even better for us to be connected. I know that within the athletic department, we're trying to connect with the rest of the student body. We don't want us to be seen as a division. And so by connecting, that can be active support. Now we have athletes interacting with the rest of the student body. It's not like we're student athletes, not solely athletes. And so that connection is another ally another form of active support. And that goes to inclusion. We want people to feel comfortable. If I'm a part of a certain group, I want someone else to feel comfortable to join, not just because they're like, oh, this is interesting, but I don't really feel comfortable. I want them to feel included. And that's how you get more of a diverse population and diverse attendance rate or participation within clubs, athletics, organizations, events. And so, It's just really reaching out to people all over rather than a specific department for different things and being welcoming to it. Just everybody's different, but you need to embrace the differences.
0: Alicia, thank you so much for offering your insight today. We appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Just yesterday on April 20th, after a 10 hour deliberation, the jury had found Derek Chauvin guilty on all three charges, which included second degree unintentional murder third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter for the death of George Floyd last May. According to CNN, Chauvin, quote, could face up to 40 years in prison for second-degree murder, up to 25 years for third-degree murder, and up to 10 years for second-degree manslaughter. However, because he had no other prior convictions, the actual sentence could be much lower and is set to be released in eight weeks. This morning, Interim President Wayne Powell had sent a campus-wide email addressing the results of the case. Which read quote, "The verdict is a step towards justice, for one person, for black Americans, and for all Americans. But this also marks a solemn occasion, a call for reflection and remembrance for all victims of racial violence. Tonight, there will be three virtual and in-person events for the WAC community to attend. The Office of Intercultural Affairs will be holding a virtual brave space from 4:30 p.m. to 5:30 p.m. via Zoom. Residential Life will hold similar conversations and will be on duty from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. supporting students in Caroline and Sassafras. And counseling is also offering students to schedule one-on-one appointments during regular business hours. Also tonight, the WAC Student Government Association, the Chestertown Unites Against Racism Program, and the Kent County Black Union will be hosting a community dialogue event at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom which we'll discuss, according to the campus-wide email sent out, quote, the resignation of the mayor, action-based efforts and steps, and community unification. For any possible questions, please send them to Megan White. This has been Washington College Weekly. I'm your host, Olivia Montez, and I will see you next week.